I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcasts is supported by Twin Motion and by Section Cut from our friends at Monograph. You'll hear more about them later on in the episode. Hello! My name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Morning, everyone. And you're listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Uh, Jason, today I wanted to get into, we got, you know, some interesting responses and saw a few things coincidentally around the same topic uh, out in the social media ether that I think we can kind of extend on our last episode where we talked about if people were leaving the building industry but before we get into that i did want to mention if unless i mean i'm sure everyone has heard by now but the wildfire that's going on in turkey i saw the turkey one it's like a range between i saw a few different numbers but it's it was between 60 up to 80 wildfires going throughout turkey but they have, uh, I saw some requests that, you know, requesting countries to help and send um, those fire plans to help put out Return some of the fires and stuff, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. So there were early signs back in April, I think it was, that this fire season this year was going to be the worst ever. Here in the U.S., I know there was a recent report that shows the moisture content of forests and stuff is uh, extremely low. It's like record lows. These levels were lower than the minimum, a new record low. The average was 137%. The low is 115%. And in 2021, they were tracking it at 97%. 
Yikes. And to add on to that, uh, I saw in another article uh, that said that in California, more than half of all new residential developments since 1990 have been built in high-risk zones. We did an episode on fires, uh, fire safety last year, and one of the we spoke with a firefighter, and one of the biggest recommendations was cleaning out your backyard of any brush and uh, just dried leaves and stuff that people tend to just get lazy and leave. Like, make sure all that stuff is gone, especially if you're in anywhere near where fires had happened recently. Yeah. You're in Orange, and I know there was some fires near you, but I don't think it ever yeah. got close enough that it was. Yeah, I mean, there, there's always that, that 241 corridor. Yeah. Toll road area where everything's always on fire, basically, right? Yeah. Because they got all those hills, and when it rains, it gets super green and pretty, and then we don't see any more rain again, and it just turns into dead whatever. So all that stuff was going around there, the kids' school too. But the difference is we're like, we got a lot of infrastructure between those areas and us. We're pretty centralized, you know, surrounded by buildings and whatnot, not a lot of parks around us type of deal. So it would take a pretty solid drop by God to get to us in that regard. Yeah. Similarly for us, I mean, where when we see those fires, it's smoke and ash actually can get to us. Yeah. Um, but there's two freeways between where most of those occur. It's like yeah. it, there's very, very little chance that it would get anywhere near us. Yeah, but we get we get a lot of the smoke and a lot of the ash because our house is actually on an old riverbed. So mm. there's a there's a really good breezeway that goes right through there. So a lot we get the onshore wind and then we get like the offshore, you know, push type of deal. Mm-hmm. So we get a ton of the ash and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I guess ultimately if there's ever a flood, you know, our homeowner's insurance doesn't cover it because we're on an old riverbed, but I don't think that's all that likely in Southern California at this point. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing that uh, is kind of crazy. All of these insurance companies are not, they're like pulling their coverage and not offering coverage in some areas. Mm-hmm. Kind of funny, huh? <laughs> it's uh... So you buy insurance for when you need it, but then when they realize you're going to need it, they're like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too risky uh yeah, man. so jumping back into uh the extension of our last conversation one of the the comments that we got said i think it comes down to strong leadership and vision of companies the ones that have that are the ones figuring out the retention puzzle there's also huge demand and low supply in engineering at least of strong, well-rounded individuals that see that gap and often break off to try and go on their own. There's an entire safety net of an industry that will take them back if they need it to, so they will have that security. I think there's always an opportunity. If you're supposedly as well-rounded as you think, there's there's a good chance you can make it on your own, right? Mm-hmm. And then most of the people you know that are our age that are in the industry are more so not willing to take that jump, so they'd rather just have the conversation and act like it's something they can do Mm-hmm. but they generally don't because it's pretty scary, right? So I think what happens is a lot of times they think there's a safety net and like, oh, if it doesn't work, I'm going to go in. But I think you're talking more so about the problem at why they're not going to succeed at that point. If you're dipping your toe in and thinking I've got a safety net, mm-hmm. chances are when you talk to a lot of these high-performing people in general or even like coaches that are out there and stuff, they're going to tell you if you're not all in, you're out. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that theory that it's like, oh, I can, if it doesn't work out, I can just go get something else. Like you're already hedging your bet. Mm-hmm. So, so mentally and, and from a psychological standpoint, are you really in it? Do you really think you can do it? Or are you really worried about what happens when it doesn't work and you have to go back? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think there's some truth to that statement, 
you know, there's only so many high performing people in this world, that top 5% or whatever, and they're usually going to be able to stay employed. Right. So even, even during downturns and all that kind of stuff and whatever, you tend to hang on to them, right. They're the ones that are consistently trying to say, what else can I learn? What else can I do? And, and adding more things and whatever else. So they can do so many things when you have to size down, but I don't think that's wrong. But at the same point, if you're thinking about doing your own thing, it's either you're going to make it work or you're not. I think from, from my perspective, I looked at it as not necessarily, I can always go back to a company, but the perspective of what's the worst that can happen is that I have to go back to another company. Yeah. Not necessarily that it's a safety net, but in the, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to make it work. But what's the worst that can happen is that I end up back where I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'd still tell you it's the same thing. I disagree. I don't yeah, think that's it's okay. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's okay. I mean, you know, that's, that's what makes this country great, right? We can disagree <laughs> and still be friends. But I, I think um, it, it's true. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think it's not true, but then I will tell you this too. Like when I used to look at resumes and stuff like that and you see these blips, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, well, what, what is this? Oh, I tried to start my own thing and it didn't work and I came back. Mm-hmm. So what do you think the first thing is in my mind right now when I'm interviewing that person? Why didn't it work? going to take off again. Uh, I know. Maybe. I'm telling you. Yeah. hundred percent. Like every time I've seen that stuff and they go and they try their own thing, and they come back and they go like, it's usually they're a lot of times they're very chronic about it. Hmm. Like jumping from spot to spot to spot to spots. Like, do I really want to invest our time and capital into trying to build you up as an individual if there's a really good chance either A, you're just going to look for the BBD or the, you know what I mean? The bigger, better deal each time or mm-hmm. that you think you're going to be like glean off me and then bail, you know? And and all the time I'm doing that, once that goes in my head, I start asking them the questions. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, how do you see yourself? Where do you see, oh, you know, company man, blah, 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 you know, all this kind of stuff. Or, you know, yeah, I'm here for the long haul, you know, ladies, whatever, whatever it is. And you're just looking at them like, yeah, but your resume doesn't show that, mm-hmm. you know? So, well, again, I'll go back to if you produce and you're, really good you're probably not having to interview anyway mm-hmm. um people will grab you but there's always going to be availability for those type of individuals if you're high performing period that's an interesting point you don't you don't look at it in some cases maybe that they got it out of their system no because i think you have a lot of people that are entrepreneurial in mind mm-hmm. right so my son's that way he's always thinking of new ways to do things no oh, i want to do this no one invent that but there's going to come a point in time where it's like, okay, are you going to put the muscle behind it? Or are you just going to be a dreamer? Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys are dreamer. Now my son's 12. He's got time to be able to figure <laughs> these things out. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. it's, it's that mental working that you're looking at and going, okay, are you going to be this kid that comes in in interviews and is always like, I got these great ideas, but nothing materializes. Mm-hmm. Or are you going to be a serial entrepreneur where, you know, you, you don't give things enough time to go through the suffering to really be able to build it. I don't think those types of individuals really ever get it out of their system. Hmm. that's my you know that's just an opinion yeah i would tell you i'm very much that way but i was in a spot where i could utilize all those things and and really direct a company and companies in an entrepreneurial like manner you know what i mean so i was able to do that gave me the opportunity to do that so i didn't necessarily need to go out on my own at that point but no anytime i see people jumping around like and that's the hard thing with people at our age i mean i'm 40 you're you're younger and you know technically we're relatively early in age to the positions like that I got to and, and that you were doing and people always want to wonder why. And I'm like, this is my 17th year doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't jump from this company to this company after every four years and, mm-hmm. and restart, you know, or five years or whatever, you got to really stick it out. Now that comes down to the same thing that individual made in that comment. Is there really opportunity 
is their vision or those kind of things. And it's true. You need to, you need to see what your mobility is. You need to have those conversations, but that's on you, you know, to be able to do that with those companies. Um, and you and I have conversations about that before, yeah. right? Look, not every company is interested in people coming up and taking the next role because it's uncomfortable for them, yeah. right? Maybe they don't want to grow in size and do those kind of things that generate that. And ultimately they're not just going to make a spot for you because it's going to give you more cash out of their pocket potentially. Right. Yeah. So you have to identify those things, but at the same point, you have to be able to have those conversations and say, look, here's the opportunity that I have ahead of me. You know, I want to know what my future looks like here. Yeah. I have to perform. I have to do whatever. What do I need to do for you in order to do those things? Right. Not what do you do for me, which is a, something that I think a lot of these people have backwards. Right. Hmm. It, again, it's an uncomfortable conversation because it may force the the decision that, oh, this isn't what I want. And yeah. now I got to look for something else, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And either way, you're always subject to whatever that company wants to do if it's not your own. Yeah. So you may come to a crossroads at some point in your life where it's like, okay, I was, I was able to do everything I wanted to do and whatever, but at some point I may need to move on. Yeah. And I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. You, you know, don't jump ship for no reason, but if there's no alignment and no path, no clarity to that path, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with jumping ship. Once you have the experience to back it, right? You're like, look, I, here's what I did for the last X amount of years. And here's what I thought we were going to do. Or here's where I, my morals have gone and values have gone. And it's a different scenario. You know, it's like, it's just not the right fit at that point, you know, and then you do your own thing. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. What if you could visualize your building in a couple of clicks, remove months from the design process, or create a bridge between stakeholders to solve problems before they even come up? Our friends at Twinmotion offer simple, real-time visualization for architects. Their technology lets you view and edit your scene on the go in the same pixel-perfect quality as the final rendering. Twinmotion seamlessly integrates with other tools like SketchUp and Revit, transforming your BIM or CAD models into high-quality images, panoramas, VR videos, or presentations. Sound complicated? Well, what if I told you that Twinmotion enables anyone to present the biggest ideas in the easiest way possible, regardless of previous CG experience? To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link slash spaces. That's twinmotion.link slash spaces. Section Cut by Monograph Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy to use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know in near real time whether you are on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and team members all in one place. The best part of Monograph? It doesn't require a degree in finance to use. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. And to underscore their commitment, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with the goal of improving their business. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today 
by visiting sectioncut.com. So one of our uh, fellow podcast friends uh, with Inside the Firm, uh, Lance Psycho, he's a uh, He's also is his last name Psycho? Yeah, but it's spelled, spelled differently. Don't care. That's C- rad. C-A-Y-K-O. That's rad. Um, he responded and basically said, not on their end, that uh, people are leaving their firm. So he said, not on our end. Um, they have their own firm. It's him and his uh, partner who started it. I think they, and they've been growing recently. I think they're up to probably like 12 people or so. Mm-hmm. They're architects and they're doing their own development as well. So they're... Okay pretty diverse in, in the work that they do. But he said not on their end. And I, I basically expanded with him saying that, you know, these companies that are running into this issue are usually poorly run or or out of touch, basically. Amen. Um, and he followed up and basically said, thanks, as they should. That's the market working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's all you, uh, you always say, the market uh, basically market dictates. dictates. Yeah. Right. And I think it's was really. I had a really good conversation with my wife. My my wife and kids got home from a vacation yesterday. They were just you know downloading, talking about different things. Well, when they're gone, I was like, hey, what do you want at the house when you get back? Right? Like, I'll go grocery shopping, grab whatever. Well, I'm, I never go to the normal grocery shopping. I usually go to like Costco or something, right? Yeah. And she'll hit Trader Joe's and all this other kind of stuff and whatever. And I, so I really never go to Trader Joe's. So even if I needed like a grocery thing, I would just hop in an Albertsons or something like that, right? Or even a Target these days, right? I'm a total Target guy now. <laughs> so anyway, so I went by Trader Joe's. And it's probably the second time I've been in a Trader Joe's in the last month and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to him like, everything about that place is happy. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's the employees or the people you're walking around or whatever, how it's organized, just the culture is damn near amazing, right? Yeah. In, in, in an environment that I would tell you historically, I mean, the way the, the unions run those things and whatever, and you have like lifetime cashiers, like these people sometimes just feel like they hate life, right? Like it's yeah. just the way it looks. And so I just, I just thought it was absolutely like amazing, right? And so we were talking about that and it's everything. It's, and so she was telling me a little bit about it because she listens to their podcast. So I've got to start listening to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like the Trader Joe's way or whatever. But they're talking about how they mix their employees around, how they interview by personality, how they do, you know, all these different kind of things. And so it makes me want to go there. Yeah. You know, I mean, not, not to work, but, yeah. but I'd rather shop there. And so you look at those things into your front, you know, to the gentleman's point that made the comment, it's a hundred percent about that. Yeah. You know, are you investing in your people? And that doesn't mean dollars, right? Yeah. You have to pay a market wage and maybe a little bit of market if you want to retain people, but are you investing time and effort? You know what I mean? Do you invest in their life and who they are and furthering their development? I mean, it's just the same. I think I know we've talked about it multiple times, but like when someone comes to you and says, you know, I want growth. Yeah. Well, nine times out of 10, they mean what? I want cash. Yeah. Right? I want cash. They really don't even want the responsibility, right? They just want cash. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, usually I'll make them define that, what growth means to them. And then on top of that, I'll say, okay, I'll give you growth, but you got to show me you can do it before I'm going to pay you. Yeah. And so then it gets down to that thing where it's like, I mean, I have to do the work before I get paid. Well, yeah. Why would I pay you if you're no good at it? So we got to try it out. Right. Yeah. Um, so you look at things like that and I think that's where they go because then they're cared for, you know, and usually you're, you're building their skills. And like, I've had the same conversation with people before too, where it's like, look, I don't have anywhere else for you to go for the next five years. I don't, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? So here, here's the deal. Let's give you the skills you need and I'll give you a recommendation if you feel it's time to leave. You know what I mean? Like hundred percent, like I want you to be able to do better for yourself. Right. Yeah. And that conversation of its own creates a loyalty amongst those people that you would not believe. 
You know what I mean? Because it's like, look, I don't want to lose you, but I don't want to hold you back. And the crazy part is what people miss, D, when they do these kind of things, is that person, if they did leave mm-hmm. under great terms and haven't been invested in everything else, who do you think they talk about? How great that company was they worked for and those people they worked with and everything else. Like, dude, they even just wanted to keep building me up and building me up to find a better position for me. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And so then who do they want to work with? Hey, call this guy or call that gal. Like, it's best five years of my life type of deal. So the gentleman's 100% right. It's about culture. It's about investing. It's about not being too far away from your associates, but not being too in tight. That's what retains people. Yeah, definitely. So, and then we got a comment. Uh, the first one I forgot to mention was from Brandon. Uh, the, this one is from Mandy. Uh, she said, and I think you responded to this on, on Instagram. Uh, she said the great resignation, we're calling it the great culture shift on the emerging professional side, full of self-awareness, optimism, and moxie with the missing level of leadership and generation gap. It's almost revolutionary in the sense that we can make the rules up for ourselves for what works best for us. And that's incredibly empowering. I entirely agree with everything she's saying yeah but i will add this i think it's going to get tested in the next year and a half in what way because everybody's like we get to make the rules you know all this, i'm not i'm saying it in a very positive way everything's great right now <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. the market's great people are getting returns all those other kind of things are going on right yeah the minute that changes that's when that's going to be tested do you, do you have the, you know, the, the gumption and the gut to be able to stick it out and to make things happen and have the intelligence to do so and the drive to do so and the ability to say, I'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. Right now, it's like we get to make the rules, which really means like, if you want me, here's what you have to do, right? A little bit to a certain degree. And I'm not saying that in a bad way again, but all of that shifts when you're going from a supply and demand scenario where they need people and we need to hang on to people to all of a sudden, okay, I need to cut budget and I need to get down to the producer. You know what I mean? And you start looking at those things and that whole thing will shift. And I think that's in the next year, year and a half. Um, but she's right. I mean, now is a culture shift. And I think at the same point, you know, there's no middle management. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lack of high performing middle management and, and, and an age out basically. So when that next year and a half happens too, there's a lot of people, I know in our industry for sure, there's a lot of people that are just like, look, I'm riding it one more time. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And as soon as this goes, they're at 60, 65, 70 years old. And they're like, I ain't doing this again. Like, I'm going to go be a chef at a little, they're going to retire food cart somewhere. <laughs> yeah. They're going to retire. You yeah. know what I mean? Like all these, like, so they're going to take off. And so you have this massive gap of management because they either the a they didn't build it up themselves and see it coming they were too tired to do so didn't care or just didn't identify anybody that was really there because let's be honest they were out for themselves as opposed to what can i do for the company but she's right i mean now's the time to be able to set tone if you have the leadership skills that you're going to need to utilize in the next few you know few months type of deal Mm -hmm. year and a half or so because if you can lead and show you can do all those things well then it's no problem yeah and get the results but if you can't lead and you can't get the results, guess what? You're going to go back to what you remember and what you know. So it'll be interesting though, but she's totally right. Yeah. I think one of the thing, the things that she's referring to as far as that culture shift, particularly in architecture, there's sort of this old guard mentality or stigma of, you know, just being stuck. So she's saying, you know, filling that gap that's there and completely changing the the profession, mm-hmm. which, um, yeah, I agree. If, if people can exhibit that they have that leadership, like you mentioned, and really create that shift and everything that they think will work actually does work, then then it can happen. Right. And then one last one, 
that I will mention just because I just wanted to hear what you thought about this. So uh, this is from the handle on Instagram is Mechanical Hub. And uh, he posted, it wasn't in specific to this, but I just happened to see it on my feed and it's pretty much the same line of thinking. It's an image from a cartoon I doubt you watch. <laughs> but, it, but it says, uh, you know how it, those quotes from people. So it says, 18-year-old. And it says, I just don't know what I want to do in life. And then it says the traits. Want to talk S, get ripped, and break your body into a thousand pieces. And this then, is for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> so then he goes on to say, so many air quote cool dudes out here trying to look tough, but in the end, it's one more reason kids look away when given the option to learn a trade. The macho act is just stupid. It makes all of us look stupid. There, I said it. Don't agree. That's fine. No one said you have to. Maybe if we all took things like safety, mental, and physical health serious, we could promote how these trades offer a prosperous career that can be long and very rewarding in many ways because kids are increasingly less interested in the macho BS lifestyle. Um, Dude, 90, 90% of that preach on. I think, you know, what I think I hear him saying is he's in the trade somewhere and has created a great life for himself and, and, and has seen the opportunities that I've seen with other people in the trades and, but it's not glitzy and it's not glam, you know, it's not glamour like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd even go as far to say as the building industry itself isn't. Mm-hmm. investing in land and whatever it is, but the actual building of things and product is not as much. Right. Yeah. Um, nor is the field work. It's even worse. Right. Yeah. Like if you do manual labor, which is what some of these guys look at, it's like, you know, you're a failure Yeah. <laughs> these days. I mean, that's how, that's how it appears, which is just highly ridiculous. Yeah. So I agree with him. I think, um, I think he's right. The people that need to read it, but I think there's a, uh, it, you know, there's a big disconnect between health and people's ability to get things done versus the sedentary lifestyle and sitting in an office. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's definitely towards the latter, mm-hmm. you know, any statistic will show you just the, the health is somewhat declined consistently. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't lend itself to physical labor. Yeah. Um, you know, being on a job, like I was walking job sites on Friday and it's 95 degrees and I'm sweating. I mean, just <laughs> I'm all I'm doing is walking and taking pictures of stuff and I'm sweating going up and down stairs. Right. Yeah. And there's these dudes out here that are working far harder than I am. Yeah. And it is not a glamorous lifestyle, but a lot of those guys that I know, you know, that are become a supervisor out there too, they're making six figures. Yeah. You know, most, I'm sorry, most of the people that are listening to this, you're never going to get there. You yeah. know, like it's just not going to happen. And those guys, you can say all you want, but um, I think it's, I think it's very true. And I would like to see some like, Oh, because, Again, it goes right back to the idea we're going to have a lot of issues figuring out how to get this stuff built in the future. Yeah. Get this done. I mean, there's only so much we're going to be able to do in a factory. You still have to be on site to do that. And um, I mean, even, even, even some of our team members that we have, you know, want to talk to them about what their kids are doing and stuff. Oh, no, they're going to college or getting a degree. You know what I mean? That kind of like 100% that way because they want them to have an easier life. Yeah. I can't fault them for that. You know what I mean? By any means, that's what you want for your kid, right? Like, for my kids, I want them to have an easier life than I had. I'm going to prepare them, you know, make sure they're prepared for whatever comes their way. But if my kids could just snap their fingers and be rich and never have to deal with any of their life, I would love that for them. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I think he's right. The other, the other nice thing is too, when you're out in the field and you're performing, like it's, it's almost like sports. If you get the job done and you do it faster and do it better than everybody else, like you get all the liberties in the world and people want you there to perform and do all that and you get paid more and you get out of the, a lot of the politics that have to do with 
you know, office life. And then you're outside. I mean, I know it's hot and whatever, but it's like, you know, there's a, one of my favorite days of the week is whatever day I'm out in the field walking around and seeing product and not being in an office. It's just some of the best stuff. So, yeah. So they're a good follow on Instagram. If you want to see a lot of stuff about mechanical equipment and tools and whatnot, mechanical hub. Um, and one last thing I wanted to say before we get out of here is for next week's next, uh, Tuesday's episode, I want to do an episode called unsung heroes. So all the stories that your clients never know about where you made a change and made a decision to do something different that saved them money or made something more efficient, uh, email us. I'm going to put a post uh, as for a request as well, but just respond there on social or email us hello at spacespodcast.com. And we want to share all those stories of the things, the amazing things that you did uh, that your client probably didn't know about, but it saved them money and made the project better. Can we do the ones where you argued with them on site and told them how you're going to do it? Even though they didn't want to, and it still saved them money. <laughs> yes, definitely. So write, so write one down, uh, Jason. Got it. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again on Thursday. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. By checking them out and supporting them, you help us keep this show going. Thank you to Monograph for their support of this podcast episode. To reserve a seat at their first ever interactive virtual conference, visit sectioncut.com today. Thank you to Twin Motion for their support of this podcast episode. Don't forget to visit twinmotion.link spaces today and try Twin Motion for free. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with BuildSmart the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, Unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. 
And hold on tight for Season 2, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOPA. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.